no shortcuts. Ugh. Right? I want shortcuts. I don't want to go the distance. It's interesting Richard was talking about. We don't collaborate. I don't tell him what I'm going to preach on, so what he ought to emphasize. But uh, this verse is one of... No, I also want you guys to pay attention to this brilliant graphic I made this morning. Can I get a round of applause? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like, I got so frustrated trying to make this. It was like the most difficult part of my sermon was putting together this dumb graphic. So for anybody listening on a podcast, it is a sign saying this way, pointing to like a cliff, like a plateau of cliffs. Um, and it says no shortcuts. So you got to go the long way, the hard way. There are no shortcuts when it comes to the Lord. And so uh, who teaches us this the best? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, I, I probably, I'll try not to get off on other sermons, but he's he's moving in from Hebrews chapter 11 which is called the Hall of Faith, which is you go through all the heroes of the Old Testament. Look how this one did it. 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 They trusted God. They went through impossible circumstances, and they also messed up and had to get back on their feet and get rerouted. And some of them tried to take shortcuts, and God had to get them back on the long you know, route and clean up a lot of messes they made. But since we have seen from the Bible how to do it, and so many people before Jesus had to do it that way. He said, let us lay aside every encumbrance, like your foolish impatience and your plans and your good ideas and your fears that are going to cause you to do things that try too much too fast. Instead of waiting for the Lord, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin. So, of course, we're going to lay aside the encumbrances. And, of course, we're going to lay aside the sin. I mean, lay aside even right now. If you've got sin in your life, what do you, why, why are you even sitting here? I mean, are you going to take it out of church with you and go home and hope God's going to do something? Get rid of it now, right now, right where you sit. You got a habit, you got a bitterness, you got dishonesty, you're in a job you're not supposed to be in, you're in a relationship. Get out of it or stop playing games. Stop coming to church and just say, no, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to follow the devil. No, don't do that. Just get rid of it. So we're going to lay it aside. All the encumbrances, which are kind of gray stuff that, you know, maybe it's not as, but certainly the clear cut stuff. Right? You're in an immoral relationship? Get the heck out of it. You got bitterness in your heart? No point. So anyway, lay it aside. The sin, let us run with endurance. So I said, no shortcuts? Why do you need endurance? Because you're not going to get there through a sprint. With endurance. The race set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Jesus showed us how to do it. Showed us how to do the endurance thing the author and perfecter of faith, perfecter of faith. You want to see how faith is done? Watch Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy. Why does God want to take the long road? Because he's got some awesome plans for you. But you're not going to get there on a sprint. You're not going to find your destiny when you are 19, 20 years old because God put a dream in your heart. Yeah, that dream's from the Lord, but you don't have the goods yet. Take the long route. Listen to the people who've been there, done that, got run over by a few trains, right? It, he's going to get you there, but you got to take the long route. But it's for the joy. God didn't put, Andrew Murray said this, God didn't put the dream in your heart 
and not plan on fulfilling it. He put it there because he plans on fulfilling it, but how is he going to get you from there to there? The long route. We're going to go over why here in a minute. <clears throat> Fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus did the long route. Jesus took the long route. I'm going to tell you this in a minute. He could take everyone to school in the temple, all the PhDs, all the religionists, all the guys at the theological seminary. He was tying them in pretzels when he was 12. It's in the Bible. And God said, ah, let's wait about another 20 years, my beloved son, because even Jesus needs to take the long route. Well, yeah. What about that spouse? I better just grab the closest warm body that calls himself a Christian or God's never going to come through. No, he's got a good plan for you. Don't do that. Take the long route. Wait. You're no prize today and neither is she. So let God do a little, you know, molding, shaping. Anyway, we could, we could apply this to a thousand different categories. Your destiny is not going to happen when you're 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. I watched all of these young guys rocket past me. Worldwide influence some of them. Some of them just big churches. I remember this one guy, he had 5,000. He didn't even go to seminary, didn't know Greek, didn't know Hebrew, hadn't paid his dues with the poor and the oppressed. He was just, he was just super cool. 5,000 people. He's not even in the ministry anymore. I, I could talk all day about these. And I'm like, God, don't you love me? Right? Don't you love me? So hard. You know? I praise you. Though the Lord slayed me. Yeah, well, I praise him. And yet this guy's got a mega church. And this guy's already married. And this guy's written a book. The guy who wrote the book, he's not in the ministry anymore. He lost his faith. I'm pulling up real files here. Don't take the short route. It is the trick of the devil. What did he tell Eve in the garden? First test of the human race. God said you're created in my image. The devil says, oh, you really want to be like God? Here's a little shortcut, Eve. Yeah, no kidding, because God is not as good as he was kind of leading on, you know, making you think he was. He's trying to rip you off. Let's take the short route. That worked out really well for all of us, didn't it? The whole Eve nonsense. But we would have done it too, and we've all done it. We've all tried to take the short route. I didn't, I didn't pull up. This is going to be the shortest PowerPoint you've ever seen, because I couldn't. Everybody in Scripture took the long route. Let's think of a big name. Abraham. Long, long, long route. What happened when he tried to take the short route? I think God is busy. You know, probably those doggone Amorites are just keeping them all tangled up over there. So I better grab, I better, I better get some medical stuff going here to help with this child that he promised me. So they did the uh, equivalent of artificial insemination, which is I'm going to grab my wife's maidservant that we picked up in Egypt. And that's what they did culturally. And we'll have a kid. And that'll be the child of promise. I mean, God needs some help. How did that work out for everybody? To this day, who is pounding the crud out of the Jewish nation? Those descendants of, thanks, Abraham. Thanks for the help. Thanks for the shortcut help. Thanks, Eve. That was a big help. Thanks. Thanks, because I, ca I can't find you a spouse. I can't, I can't help you to find your destiny. 
I'm, I'm incompetent. I'm incapable. No, God knows exactly what he's doing. But you're just not the person yet. He doesn't need your help. And a lot of times it's our fears that are driving us. So, but for the joy set before him, he knew God's into the long route. Endured. And, he, and the cross was the worst, but he had to train. You have to train for the Boston Marathon, right? You don't just jump out of bed and say, yeah, I'll go run the Boston Marathon. Jesus can't. Seriously, the Bible said that God had to train him because he was truly a human being. He truly was functioning with the same capacities we have. He truly was doing it through the power of the Holy Spirit as he listened to the Father, just like you have to do it. I know this may shock you, but uh, he must have gone to the cross at the age he did because God had prepared him to bear that load at that time. Did he sin before that? No, but he was not. It said he grew in stature and in wisdom. He didn't have the goods to fulfill the role. He had to grow just like we do. And if that troubles you, let's go out to coffee. Let's study some Christology. But he took on, he didn't have an easy button. A piece of cake, cross, what the heck? I'm, I'm infinite God. I'll just draw on some of my omniscience right now, my omnipotence. I get an easy button. Well, what good would that be for us when we face our trials? God, I don't have an easy button. What in the world? No, Jesus did it just like we did. So he ran with endurance and he was able to go through death and out the other side. And the Bible says this. It's confusing, but it uses translations as perfected. It's not, it, he wasn't perfected as in he was ever morally flawed, but he grew in wisdom and he grew in moral strength and stature and faith even, and the ability to trust God for bigger and bigger things. He grew, that's what it says. But it says how? Through the things that he suffered. You got to take your lumps. You got to, charge out in the battle and try something and fail. How many of you have tried something and your heart was in it and you knew God called you to it and you did a royal face plant? Let's see your hands and let's hear amen. Man, we did some I mean, I'll, I'll do some biographical sharing here, but I tried to put together ministry back when I was in Chicago and I loved the Lord and I'd seen miracles and I'd led I don't know how many people to Christ and I was I wanted to go to Africa and save all the orphans, all the AIDS orphans. And I tried to set up this ministry. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I mean, if a guy was at men's group, um, you know, and maybe he raised his hands in worship, I thought, well, that indicates he's really spiritually mature. Um, you know, could quote 10 Bible verses. I'm like, hey, why don't I bring him on the ministry? We got belayed and stuffed in a Cuisinart fried up, sliced up, diced up. I mean, we got thrashed. And God says, now are you ready to listen and learn? How do you set up a ministry? And so then when we moved to the next ministry, that was Ellsworth, uh, I took what I had learned there, and we had a beautiful experience. Some of you guys were there, wasn't it? Wasn't that great? Can I hear an amen from just a handful of people who were there? It was awesome. And when I came to Manhattan and we didn't have anything, I used to sit around with some of the guys that were in that church, and I said, well, that, was that amazing? And I remember one of them, I think he's here, he said, well, we're here, aren't we? As in, we were shipwrecked messes, and now we are overcomers because of what God was doing there. But I was like, well, now we're back in the wilderness, and now God's doing it again, you know? But he said, okay, now take the stuff you learned there and apply it here. You don't, you can't just... 
wisdom comes through experience. You got to study the word and then you got to take your lumps. Study the word, take your lumps. And don't say, God hates me. He called me to this. It, you know, we're so arrogant. So many, I was talking to Jason. Unfortunately, Jason's sick. Pray for him and his family. They're all sick right now. But it's so awesome to have him now on board. I just think what an amazing quality young man, just all out for the Lord. But this morning I said, we we're just talking about some difficult issues that you face in ministry. I said, oh, Jason, please listen to me. Please, please listen to me. Because I'll say something to young people. Oh, you don't want to do it that way. I'll show you from the word. I'll tell you some experiences. I'm like, eh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Nah, I think I'm different because I'm special and I'm called and I'm anointed. And God probably didn't speak to you, but I'm, I'm ready for ministry. I mean, I'm, I'm 22 years old, so I'm probably ready to pastor church. I'm probably, yeah, it'll all work out because all you need is a burning heart and the magic of the Holy Ghost and everything's going to work out fine. If you do that, you, seriously, you might not be walking with the Lord in a couple of years. You have to take the long route. You have to stay close to the Holy Spirit. If you can find some wise people to surround you, rebuke you. Remember that sermon on the Hesed slap? When my friend slaps me with kindness. They don't slap me because they're trying to get one up on me or they're arrogant or whatever. Like, dude, pull yourself together. That's not how a marriage works. That is not how you raise your kids. This is not what you do in ministry. So anyway, so we, we got thrashed. Got that, okay, now let's learn some things. Then... It was a little better, and we learned some things, and now it, that's how you grow. So you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. He took the long route. Are you willing to take the long route? No, you're not, because you're young. Most everybody in here is in their 20s. I don't want the long route. Uh, there's a book about a you know a 25-year-old, and she's saving the planet, and there's a 23-year-old, and then the next greatest thing, and well, they haven't run the race yet. Even if they do hang in there, talk to them in 10 years and learn all the poundings and the thrashings that they had to take in the pro either train before you uh, kind of slip into the role you're supposed to play, or you're going to train during that, but you're going to have to learn the same things, or you're just going to get wrecked. So fix your eyes on Jesus. How did he do it? Here's another, here's another verse I wanted to share with you this morning. Maybe I'll read this one more time. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, so many people that can show us that this is true. Let us lay aside every encumbrance, stupid ideas, immature ideas, and the sin which so easily encumbers. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Might as well quote James 1 here. We could all do it together. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, various kinds of trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces or endurance. So you getting pounded produces endurance so that you may be Mature, perfect, and complete, lacking in nothing. So the Bible says this. This says, well, if you need wisdom along the way, pray it's going to happen. So I have you guys memorize this. But anyway, that's how it's done. New endurance. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, for the joy that God has a good plan for you. You just got to be patient. Don't think you're smarter than he is. Don't think you're smarter than the person that's gone 57 times around the track and you've gone 50 yards. No, it's a sprint. You don't know what you're doing. No, I can eat a Big Mac while I'm sprinting. and it's no problem. You know, it's, no, it's, you need to, there's wisdom. There's a way to get through the race. For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. 
Are you going to be rejected by people as you as you follow Jesus with a whole heart? If you're not rejected by anybody, you're not following Jesus. Blessed are you when men persecute you, revile you, say all kinds of evil against you falsely. If nobody's giving you any business for your commitment to Christ, you're probably not following the biblical Christ. Your family, I'm a Christian too, but that doesn't mean we need to get all wrapped up and bent out of shape. And I used to be just like you when I got over that. Whenever anybody said that to me when I was in my 20s, I'd say, well, then repent. You used to pray, and now you don't. You used to love the word, and now you don't. You used to go to the poor, and now you don't. You used to share the gospel, and now you don't. You're the person in Revelation who's, you know, rich, doesn't think they need anything. And God says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. You're so deceived, thinking that this is Christianity. So anyway, so let's look at this verse. Romans 15, 4 and 5. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. What is he talking about? The old, what we call the Old Testament. It's written for our instruction. So that through perseverance, there it is again, the long route, and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So he gave us all these stories in the Old Testament so we can look at David. Anointed as a teenager, you're the next big thing, David. Then what? Chased around the wilderness by a maniac, a demonized maniac. God, you lied to me again. <laughs> no, David, this is what my plan was, but you're not the dude yet. You can't run a nation. You're just a little kid. Pretty cool kid. Got some real gifts. Good musician. Love some of the songs you wrote for me. Well, yeah, but you're not ready. Look at, again, we talked about Abraham. But you just go through the Bible. Every, the Apostle Paul. Jesus appears to him in person. I've only met a handful of people that even make any kind of claim. Like, I, Jesus manifested himself to me. But what a head trip that would be, huh? Could you ever listen to a pastor again? <laughs> I mean, you study the Bible, you talk to me. That's probably why he doesn't talk to us. We could be so arrogant. He, he spoke to Paul, and Paul, I think, was probably the most intelligent man on the planet. In terms of religion, he, he went to the Areopagus in Athens, and he was like, oh, I could take these guys on. In Athens, the center of learning on planet Earth, he studied under, he went to Harvard, Yale, Cambridge, whatever, studied under Gamaliel, and got to the, oh, Paul, we got to go up to Arabia for 10 years. What are you talking about? I could take anybody on right now. Yeah, but you got the you got the worst problem of all, Paul. Right. That that's why I think he the other guys took three years. Paul took ten. Didn't matter how gifted he was. God can't work with someone with pride. So he had to I don't know what he did out in the wilderness, but he had to get that out of the Apostle Paul. So, whatever's written in earlier times. Oh, I jumped into the New Testament. Sorry, principles true no matter where you are in the Bible. Endurance. So that through perseverance and encouragement, we might have hope. So we got to take the long route. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the long route. Why? Why am I talking about the long route? <sighs> so um, Susan and I again, man, thank you. Man, that would just be so great if you guys could do that more for us. That was just really awesome. 
that was really awesome. We were just like in a different zone. It was just wonderful. It was great. It's great for marriage and all kinds of stuff, man. But we just, we had some great times of prayer. But I'm in the kitchen. I don't know what I was doing. Fixing my coffee, whatever. And I think Susan was on the other side of the bar. There's like a bar that you look out over in the rest of the room. And I just said, I think God just told me I'm done. And it was this book. And I just started weeping. And those of you who don't know me are like, big deal, you know? Anybody can write a book. Well, let me tell you about the process here. Okay, I went to Moody Bible Institute. Got a degree. Then I went to Russia as a missionary. Um, before I went to Russia, God basically spoke to me and said, you don't know me that well. Because if you're in church and you're a Christian, even if you're born again, most people who are born again just don't know God that well. And when you tell them that, they get offended. And the devil's like, yes. That way they'll keep their stupid view of who God is and no one will be able to mess with it or correct it. So go ahead and get mad. You know, at anybody that tells you you could grow, your theology needs correcting. God told me that right before I left. I went and had the most amazing year of my life. I figured out what my gifts were. Saw a whole room full of people coming to Christ. I'm mentoring a whole district of school teachers. They're leading kids to Christ. I mean, prayers are being answered. And I come home, and then I get a degree at Denver Seminary, and I study under what I think is one of the greatest Bible scholars, certainly Greek in the world. And uh, I'm not going to drop a name, but anyway, some of you know who he is. And uh, learned a ton from this guy. Earned, earned a, an award with honors, you know, my first master's degree. And I get out, and I'm like, I'm still missing something. And so... Uh, I spent a year really working with the poor because that's the first thing God said. He said, well, this is really important to me and you're missing that. You need to focus on the poor. You need to focus on the broken. The church is geared toward the wealthy and the pretty. And God said, my heart is for the poor. And that was an eye-opener. And then not long after that, God said, now let's get to the, you don't know me that well, stuff. And he showed me uh, from Scripture some stuff that we've been missing Never heard about it in a biblical studies course. Never heard about it in a theology course. At a couple really great schools, the Moody Bible Institute, Denver Seminary. Um, and uh, I found this, and it blew my mind. And, of course, you guys all know the kind of Copernican center of everything I'm going to talk about here. The Bible reference is Exodus 34, 6, where God shows up and he tells Moses, Moses says, who the heck are you? Who are you? Let me know your ways. What are you all about? God says, okay, I'll show you my name, et cetera. He said, I'm, this, is, this is how my friends know me. I'm compassionate. Oh, I, thought, I always thought that you were sovereign and omnipotent and, 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 and omniscient and, and immutable and impassable. That's what we learned about theology courses. And put that all aside. I want you to start with it. I'm compassionate. That means I love you. Don't bring in all your philosophical. You can't do that math, those physics. You guys are too stupid. You always you know, trip yourselves up all over your own feet when you try to get too philosophical. You remember how your mom loved you? That, that, yeah, that's how I love you. Okay, just, no, no, no. Rain your, rain your brain in. Don't go to predestination. Don't go to sovereignty. You guys get all screwed up when you go there. I love you like your mom loved you, but more. Your mom, now some of us had crazy moms, and I'm sorry about that. I mean, but even a crazy mom usually literally feels pain 
when the child's crying. There's an ache inside mom when a child, God said, that's who, that's how I want you to start and how you think about me. And I'm like, oh. not what I was taught. Then I'm gracious. When I feel that way, I'm going to do something. I will. I'll do something for you. I just wasn't taught this. I'm slow to anger. What does that mean? And I, I in the book, I, I start crying because I'm like, I'm done. This has been a 25-year journey. So uh, um, in the book, I said, you don't like smoke in your eyes. You don't like the smell of skunk. You don't like nails on a chalkboard. God doesn't like to punish people. So unless you like the smell of skunk, if you like the smell of skunk, nails on a chalkboard, simultaneously, all three hitting you at the same time, that's the same amount of pleasure God gets out of punishing anyone ever. Why? Because he feels like a mother does for her children, for all of us. Without anger, great in kindness, which is, a, of course, the Hebrew word, hesed, most important word in the Old Testament. Most pastors can't even, never even thought about it before. This is what Jesus was saying to the when he said to the Pharisees, go study what this word means. I want, in the Greek it says, you have to, you have, you have to learn to study your Bibles. In the Greek it says Elias, but it's if you go back and you check the Old Testament word, he says, I want you to know this about God, this thing has it. Which is everything that I'm saying wrapped up in a single word. I feel like a mother feels for a child. I really want to help you, and I don't want to punish you. Besides that, here's another thing. He typically does not, as a rule, he does not, from Genesis to Revelation, when punishment comes, God is not like Zeus shooting finger, you know, lightning out his finger. No, that's our own twisted, sick, satanically sabotaged, blinded vision of him. What's he doing? He's doing what Jesus was doing when he pronounced judgment over Jerusalem. What was he doing? Weeping. And punishment is not God smacking you around. It is the created order smacking you around because you're fighting against the way God created things and it is demonic powers thumping you because you stepped outside of God's protection that's wrath I don't believe you that's not what I think well let's go out to coffee and you pull out your bible verses and I pull out mine I will destroy you because I failed my first dissertation proposal I, I was telling I was telling these guys some of these great world-class scholars this Exodus 34, 16 needs to get out there. And one of the guys says, what do you do with the wrath piece? And I was like, I don't know. And so they said, well, we're not going to let you pass then. And so then I took several years and I studied it out from Genesis to Revelation. Wrath is not God smacking you around. It is you going outside. What's Psalm 91? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That's a place of safety, holiness, being with God. It's wrath is when we're outside of God's protection. And it's his enemies. His wrath is the Babylonians and the Assyrians. And in the New Testament, it's the devil himself. So anyway, compassionate, gracious. I'm like, whoa, this is blowing my mind. This description of God. Great in Hesed. And faithfulness. What does that mean? He's always like this, day in, day out, all the time. Never changes. How do we know this for sure? How do we know this is really who God is? Well, God came down to earth and put on a man suit. And that was God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, watch me, guys. 
This is how I want you to know me. Any lightning bolts shooting out of his fingers? Did they ever say, Peter, cancer is going to be really good for you, so I'm going to write from my hand. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know what happened one time when his disciples said they had this misconception of who God was? The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. If you don't fear him, you can't even hear what I'm saying. You are, you are rejecting this. If you're on the internet, you're rejecting this. You're saying that pastor's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. I had one, one person the other day. I was talking to a friend, and his friend said, has Pat ever even read John Calvin? I guarantee you, I know John Calvin about 10 times better than any of your friends because I actually, you know that he doesn't just have the Institutes. He's got 20,000 pages of commentaries that say things that the Institute doesn't, isn't really clear on. Took a whole year, sorted through that. Yes, I'm aware of historical theology. It's just not how you walk with God. It's not how you do it. So anyway, telling you my story. So God blows my mind with this, this description of who he is. And then we're in, we're, in a, we're in a church that's in a book, which is Outstanding Evangelical Congre or, uh, Outstanding Protestant Congregations. And my name's in there. I can show it to you when I'm like late 20s. They asked me to teach a Sunday school class. And I said, well, I'm going to try this out on a Sunday school class. Because it is, it is blowing my mind. There's a dude in there. I'll say his name. His name was Alan. He's trained to be an airline pilot. And uh, it got a great response. But, you know, it, people weren't falling on the floor. I, I have seen that happen. I mean, I remember being in a prison and everybody wrecked on the floor telling them who God was, that he loved all of these dirtbags like their mother, but greater. And he would never reject them and he would always forgive them and he didn't want to punish any of them. And the whole prison is laid out on its face. On the, I remember, remember walking towards my friend who was a chaplain. I'm like, I'm not very good at altar calls. And he goes, they're coming. And they just come and bam, bam, bam. This is what your heart needs to know about that. So, I don't even know where it was in my story. I got so psyched. Alan, Alan, the airline pilot. So I was like, wow, oh, that was fun. And then they asked me just to take the class. So I took the class for a while. I don't even want to tell that story. But um, I talked to Alan a couple weeks later. Like, uh, yeah, so what uh, did you think about the, that class we did a couple weeks ago? And he said, I couldn't even go into the service. He said, I went into a Sunday room, school room and wept. I got on my face and I told God, you can have everything. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But it's fine. When, when the Lord puts his touch on this, that's what happens to people. It's what you guys need to hear. It's what I need to hear. It is what the devil is fighting tooth and claw to keep you from hearing. So anyway, I found this, and, and so I said, oh, this is the late 90s. I'm going to go to an internet database. This is clearly the central description of God all through the Bible. If you study the Bible, Exodus 34, 6, Numbers 14, Psalm 86, Psalm 103, Psalm 145. These are just the long quotations of it. Jonah 4.2, Joel 2.13, Nehemiah 9. They say these words exactly. This is who God is. I said, why have I never heard about this in the class? Why have my theology teachers never emphasized this? Why have I never heard a Bible you know, scholar blow these out? I said, oh, there's got to be a stack of articles on the internet about this. So I, I go to a database, a scholarly database, 
central description of God in the Bible, nothing, nothing, nothing by any scholar. And I got to tip my hat to my mentor, uh, the guy who influenced me the most in my master said he had one one little article, but it wasn't helpful. But but he was kind of onto what, what God was showing me, but he'd never blown it out for me before. This was a great man, and I'm I'm indebted in so many ways to him. But he was the only one that had even written anything that but I was like, what are you kidding me? I can I can find a stack of articles on some weird use of a of a Hebrew preposition. A stack, multiple books, nothing on the most the central description of God in the entire Bible. I said, okay, I'm going to go off to the PhD land. And for me, the, the Mecca of biblical studies was uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. And so I went and I, I, I was like, I want to get to the bottom of this. And I, so this is a long route. So I'm a couple degrees, Russia. Dealing with the poor was, I, I uh, it was inner city kids mostly. And then God said, okay, now let's, I'm going to show you who I am. And then I came across, wow, this isn't in the church. This isn't what loose in the church. Why not? So I went to PhD land, and I, holy cow, wow. This is sticky and deep and tangled up, and most pastors have no clue the depth of it. And they'll be offended because pastors and PhDs have to know everything. And it's like you, don't, you have no idea what has gotten in the way of this and how hard the devil has fought to keep this out of the pews. If you guys really believe that about God, you really believe that God loved you more than your mother, which he says he does in Isaiah 49. It's compassionate. Rahum. And he's more because of that, he's more than willing to help you. He doesn't want to punish you. He's abounding in loving kindness, the coolest word in the, you know, in the whole Old Testament. And he's faithful, which means he's always like that. He never changes. No good day. If you really believe that, what would that do to your prayer life? Does God want to save your friend? I don't know. God's sovereign, and we have to pray if it be thy will. See, you're already you're already hogtied. You're you're drunk on this stuff that the devil's infused into the church. You don't even know it. If you simply believe that God loved you like your mother, wants to help you, doesn't like to punish anyone, he's always like this. What would it do to you? Don't bring in your philosophical nonsense that you picked up. I'd say this all the time. Susan probably knows where I'm going. Two fishes, you know, swimming through the ocean, and one fish says to the other, How are you enjoying the water? And the other fish says, What's water? So, a lot of these things we pick up, we don't even know we picked them up. We're swimming in it. We don't even know we're swimming in it. All these twisted up visions of who God is. We're just, we're lost in it. If God was simply who Jesus Christ was, does he want your crazy friend out of the mental hospital? Does he want your addicted friend off of their addiction? Does he want you to find a good marriage partner? Does he want you to have a fabulous destiny? Does he want you to be fruitful? Does he want your friends saved? If we believe this, what would it do to our prayer lives? I think we could raise the dead. Because I believe this. But I don't really believe this. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Oh, man, because I'm still trying to work out some of this stuff I picked up. So then I went through the PhD thing. I tried to set up a ministry. And, and this description of God, I call it the Derekim, which means the ways, because most said, let me know your ways. So I called Derekim. I started Derekim Ministries. And we're going to Africa, and I'm picking up all these people, and I'm making glossy brochures, and then I get thrashed. 
and my wife gets thrashed. I remember laying on the kitchen floor. All of our friends have betrayed us. And to this day, I'm like, we didn't do anything wrong. They were lying. So they tried to take over the ministry because it was so cool. My wife's lying on the floor. She says, I don't feel like God loves me. Well, what did she have to learn? She had to learn to stand in faith. Who cares about your feelings? You know, I was, I was giving someone a hard time a few years ago. And I said, I feel like there are aliens outside. They're going to take, you know, they're going to take me up another ship and do, so I'm not going to leave the building. Your, your feelings are ridiculous. They're just, they're, they're attached to the stupid things you believe. I said, it doesn't matter what you feel. I told her, that what is true? It doesn't matter if you feel like God loves you. You know he loves you. Stand. I took the boys out to the lake, and I'm calling her on the phone. You stand on that. And she, she said, I choose by faith to believe God loves you. She said, she felt like the devil's foot was on her neck. She said, her faith, it broke. Everything just, the darkness just, that's how, that's how faith works. I don't care what you feel. What do you believe? What did God say? So we're going through all this stuff. We're learning all this stuff by getting our heads kicked in. You don't know how to set up a ministry. You're bringing in all these yahoos that are just self-promoters and guys who think they're smarter than everybody. And, you know, and and they tried to run you out because they thought you didn't know what you were doing. And they, you know, you got them frustrated because all this faith and prayer talk. So we had to learn. So then, uh, yeah, everything shut down. And then we were in another the next big thing in the evangelical world, and I was in the teaching corps out in Chicago. And then we, and then because of all the chaos, we, we got a bad name. And uh, so now nobody likes us. I'm, you know, I got to leave school because I've reached the, lim- the limit. And uh, the, 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 the student loan people, praise the Lord for that. Those companies, they start breathing down my neck and I don't have any source of income. So I was like, man, I got to find a job. So God sends me out. To the middle of the wilderness, Ellsworth, Kansas, to learn how to be a pastor and learn how to set up a ministry well and et cetera, et cetera. And to learn more about the Derek It's a long journey. Long, long, long. I was ready to write it when I first learned about it back in, was it 98? I was ready. To, I started writing the book. I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness. I've learned so much. R- write a, write a, uh, Paper on a diamond right now. Write a paper on a diamond. Oh, I don't think it's made from coal. Maybe there's pressure. Real pretty. People like to put them on their jewelry. You can scratch a piece of glass. Okay, now what's the difference between your ridiculous paper and a, a PhD who's studied diamonds and undergrad, graduate, PhD level, postgraduate, et cetera, on and on and on, you know, he, he can write multiple books about it. Okay, same thing with the, the glory of God. When I'm telling you, like, wow, that's awesome. Show me that ring. You know, you engage girls. Everybody's zooming and on. You don't know much about a diamond. Okay, just, you know, it's awesome. You know, it's beautiful, but you don't, you don't, you don't know hardly anything. And it's the same with this description of God. It's like, oh, turn it this way, and you're laid out by that facet. He turns it that way, and you're laid out by that facet. Oh, and there's things around the other side that you never saw before, and underneath. 25 years, the long route. So I was marching around the park the other day, frustrated, not mad at God, because I know this is the way he does it. And I'm like, God, are you kidding me? I've tried to start this book 25 times. I got thousands of pages on my, on my stack of computers. I got a stack of laptops. And then God tells me 
when we're up there having this awesome time and you guys are praying for us, he said, you're done. And that's what I did. Right there. That's what I did. I just broke down in the kitchen. Now, <laughs> I'm not ready to publish it. I just mean like when you, I told some people, when you win a battle, you got to go chase the guys out of the caves and you got to go tell this little group over here, hey, we won and, you know, et cetera. We got a little cleanup stuff, but God's like, hey, the substance of this thing is done. You're done. Long route, people. Young kids hopping on airplanes, even, even like my daughter-in-law did this. Thought she was going to save the world at 20 years old. She went to Africa, got thrashed. Her friend, she, now she got back on board and got, you know, we, she's one of the most wonderful young godly women we know. She's just, what a joy to have her in her family now. A uh, close friend of her, same thing happened. She doesn't even know how to walk anymore. This girl, we're loading up our airplanes, you know, all the kids are going from ministries, getting on the airplanes. Half, half of your plane to Nairobi sometimes is all these young kids that are going to save the world for Jesus. And then most of them are coming back in traction, you know, on gurneys because they're not the one yet. So, yet, because God wants them to be, but you got to go through the long route. So, uh, real quick. Ah, let's see here. So, God just reaffirmed that to me. So, let's go look at this amazing graphic I did. It doesn't look like fun climbing up that mountain and who knows what's on the other side you know maybe there's lions and hyenas or a desert you're gonna have to crawl through all these movies you know they're like say maybe just one more hill and then they get over the hill and it's like this infinite desert you know how many movies have that in it who knows what's beyond it probably is an infinite desert <laughs> god well you're gonna have to learn a lot of stuff in that desert so fix your eyes on jesus that's how he did it he could take everybody to school at 12 years old god said another 20 years ought to do it you're not very good at math. That's technically 18 years. Yeah, I, I realize that. We're rounding up. So so let's go. Let's look at a few things about the long, hard road. And seriously, you guys got to pray. Pray, God, help me to do this. Help me to do this. Help, Please help me to do this. I don't want to do this. This just looks so awful. Does that mean I'm going to get married when I'm 80, Lord? I don't want to get married when I'm 80. I can't even have kids because I'm 80. No, it doesn't mean you're going to get married when you're 80. But it does mean that you usually have to wait longer than you would have chosen had you been the fourth member of the trinity but you're not even close the long hard road some things about it god has a good plan for you this is this this is the best group of christians you guys are easy you guys are hungry you guys love each other you guys can take correction and you guys will even humbly challenge me when you think I'm, I I can get out of step. But I, we all love each other, and we're all looking out for each other's good, so that's okay. And right after Joe was done teaching, he's like, tell me what I did wrong. Tell me what I did wrong. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. You know, there's a lot good in there, so we'll wait. We'll have some coffee later, just a little tweak here and there. But I'm not going to. But it's like people want to learn. They want to grow. This is a great group of people. It's not magic. This wasn't magic. This was hard wisdom that God's taught me and a bunch of you guys over years and years and years. Talk to Lynette sometime. It had to do with her husband getting brain cancer, her learning how to do intercession, and him getting saved at the last minute, miraculously, in our old church. And 
the whole story is just crazy. One guy's off interceding in a back room. Another guy's jumping over the chairs to come tell me, you know, and her husband who never wanted to go to church is like hobbling up to the, to the, uh, cause he has cancer to the communion table. I'm like, what is he doing? It's because God's opening up his heart and he kept, he never leaves the house again on his own power. That is a trial. That's why she's sitting here. That's why in her 50s, she did what most people won't do in their 20s, which is punt all their wealth, lay it all on the altar and say, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Most people won't do that in their 20s. You won't find one person in 10,000 that will do it in their 50s. So where did she learn that? Trial. A long way. She wanted to do the discipleship program like she was seeing what's happening with some of the guys in her old, but she was too sweet. And, you know, these girls would disrespect her and beat her up and say, oh, let's just hug it out and go get some, you know, Hagen dazs or whatever, ice cream. Then it's like, no, 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 no. You gotta, you gotta do it right. So anyway, this church, this isn't magic. This is hard fought for a lot of us. It's wisdom if it works, if we're getting results. It's the same in your personal life. But God has a good plan for you. It's a good church. It's part of the good plan. God has even better things in the future for me and for all of you guys to take the long route. And good means good. Don't get all fancy. Don't get good means good. Yeah. It's like, well, sometimes it's a sovereign will that you have a disease. Well, then he'll let you know why you have that disease. Well, it's, it's creating patience in you. Then I'll heal you and you'll get out of there. It's so that someone can watch you suffer. So they'll come to Christ and then I'll get you out of there. But it's not for some mysterious reason because you never know because sometimes cancer is good. No, cancer is always bad. Crazy is always bad. Lost is always bad. So when God has a good plan, there's simple good things that a child can, can understand. We had to go through a season of poverty. Johnny Erickson Tata once said, God will use what he hates to bring about what he loves. We wouldn't be sitting here if we didn't know how to go through poverty. God told us to sit in Manhattan, Kansas, when our bank account is going down $1,000 every month. Cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. And everybody's saying, that's crazy. He walked away from this great church and a steady income finally for the first time in his life. And God says, but this, is this where you're supposed to be? Yep. Then just relax. Cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. So he has a good plan for you. Now, I can't, I, you know, I was in tears this morning just drinking my coffee, just looking at you guys, just being in your midst because it's good. Good means good. His plan for you is good. But you aren't ready yet. You're not ready yet. I want to, I want to, I want to, you know, whatever, play the London Philharmonic. What do you want to play? I want to play a violin. Give me a violin. I'm ready to go. No, you're not. You got years and years and years and years and years of study. I want to play piano. I want to be the quarterback in the Super Bowl. Somehow we think everything takes time and wisdom except being used by God. And if we study this out, you know, we have all these stupid cliches we pass around the church and God doesn't need your ability, he needs your availability. Yeah, I need your availability, then he's going to send you to boot camp. He doesn't need your availability, then you're going to be the next big thing, the next Billy Graham. No, he's going to send you out to the wilderness, and you're going to take your lumps, and you're going to learn how it works, and et cetera. You're not ready yet. You're not the one to fulfill the dream that he put in your heart. Can I hear an amen?
You're not the one. You are the one, but you're not that person yet because you lack the gifts and the wisdom and the strength and the endurance, endurance and strength of the long haul. If you don't have a, a spouse yet, it's because you're not ready yet. If you're not in the ministry yet, it's because you're not ready yet. And here's another thing. Nobody can stop God's will for you. Don't get frustrated at anybody. If you're, if you're submitted to God, nobody can stop God's will. The devil himself will say, let's take him out. Let's unleash all the forces of hell on him. Let's hit him with cancer and poverty and da-da-da-da. If you're in the middle of God's will, you can just laugh at him and say, God's just going to turn all this on its head, devil. He's going to turn it into a big wave, and my surfboard's going to get on it, and I'm just going to get to the next place because of what you're doing here. But you don't learn that unless you suffer, and you learn how God uses trials, etc. But you're not ready yet. So just trust and relax. He, remember what he said about himself? Man, when you love someone a lot, like, like our children, there's little on earth except the direct presence of God that's better than hearing that your children are thriving. God loves you more than I love my kids. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to be fruitful. You're just not ready yet. So what else do we learn? Obstacles are what make you wise and strong. It's that cliff. It's that desert. It's those, you know, Bedouin bandits that come out on their camels and hogtie you and drag you off to their tent and, you know, steal everything you have and whatever. I'm just making a movie up here. Um, that's what makes you better. It's what makes you stronger. It's what makes you wise. It would make, it's what makes you the person that can fulfill that destiny that God's calling you to. He doesn't need you to speed things along because you're frustrated. Uh, no, thanks, Eve. Uh -uh. No, thanks, Abraham. That caused a huge mess for everybody. We're still watching it on the you know, 10 o'clock news. Didn't need you to help me with that whole Hagar Ishmael thing. No, thanks. Was not helpful. All the way through scripture, we see people trying to help God along. He doesn't need your help. He needs you to listen and obey. Listen and obey. There you go. Obey every step. So uh, Jesus can take everyone to school at 12 years old. Um, he's, wow, I'm, I'm the savior of the world. Look at all these horrible sinners. They're going down to John the Baptist and they're getting baptized. These horrible, reprobate wretches. I'm perfect. The father says, Jesus, um, please go get in that line and get baptized with them. Are you kidding me? I'm perfect. I don't need to be baptized. I don't have any sins to confess. God says, well, there's reasons that I need you to do this. I need you to confirm John the Baptist. I need you to identify with the sinners. Jesus didn't really argue with the Father. At that point, he's just like, hey, yes, sir. He says, I don't do anything unless it's something I see the Father doing. That's what the Father wants done. That's what needs to be done. So he runs down there. Hey, John, baptize me. Yo, I'm next, cousin. Cousin John. Me. Remember me? Yeah, family reunions. Yeah, I'm Jesus. And John has an idea who he is, and he says, are you kidding me? I need you to baptize me. I can't baptize you. Jesus said, hey, this is the way Dad wants it done doesn't make sense to anybody. Who cares? This is going to fulfill all righteousness. Some of you guys, uh, again, I'm going to boast on Jason. I love Jason. I love all you guys. But he, uh, he stuck around here. He's got an engineering degree. And he stuck around here and put in home entertainment systems. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can get almost six figures immediately if you have an engineering degree. That's like kind of ticket 
ticket to the good life, do it kind of quick. It's a hard course in, in school, but I mean, it's kind of, a, it's, we knew that those were the smart guys and they were going to get the good income. And he said, now God's telling me to stick around here. At the same time, yeah, he's not here. He's on Zoom. So good. I don't have to embarrass him. And he goes, stop. Oh, stop. I remember when I first met him, he just broken up with a girl. You know, didn't hold on to some second best. She was first best for somebody, not him. Right? So obey every step. God says, break up, break up. God says, stick around, stop making money. And your parents, you know, are all breathing down your neck. Take the lumps. God tells you to get up at five in the morning, pray. Get up at five in the morning and pray. Tells you to start memorizing the word. Tells you, this is another thing. You were like a leader in your ministry. And God tells you, she didn't know all that much. You, you need to go to a season of training. You just need to, no, no, don't save the world yet. No, I know you have gifts. They're supernatural gifts. I've seen you slay people in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's fine. But there's wisdom you need. So just humble yourself. Yes, sir. Stop doing ministry. It just pumps up your ego, right? Uh, whatever he's saying to you. And part, part of what he was saying to me was, I, I felt like when I was out here in Manhattan, I'd walked away from a great ministry. I felt like I looked like an idiot. I felt like I looked like an idiot. I won't even go there. But I was obeying. God says, but are you doing what I say? Yeah, okay, then you're cool. Yeah, I guess so. Because all I need to worry about is his opinion. I don't care. Seriously, if you guys run me out, which you won't, because we love each other, but you guys run me I don't care. As long as I have God's smile. It's all that matters. So obey every step. There's one final thing that Susan wanted me to put in there. So this is all about submission, but there's a wrong kind of submission, which means I'll just sit here like a dish towel and let everything run over me, let everyone run over me. And that's not the biblical submission. So don't submit to evil. Learn how to fight, because that's part of the long route. Uh, that's what God did with the Israelites. He said, i got to take them on the long route so when they get into the land, they know how to fight. So the long route is a little skirmish here and a little skirmish there and a little skirmish here and a little skirmish there until you're the Joshua generation. You're like, Jericho, 10-foot thick, you know, thick walls, 30 feet high, piece of we're going to be done with them like that. You have to go through the training so you learn how to fight. So we don't just say, oh, my friend's lost. It must be God's will. I submit. Oh, that person's sick. must be God's will. I submit. Oh, my marriage is falling apart. must be God's will. Oh, I submit. No, I'm going to learn how to fight evil. That's what Jesus did. Jesus fought evil everywhere he went. Sickness was evil. Demonization, which we call mental disease, was evil. There's people in the church now that get mad at me for saying that, like, don't you mess with my mental neuroses and craziness. It's God's gift to me. I'm like, boy, you are lost, man. You could be over that. You don't need to have that depression and that anxiety and that self-loathing. And Could you be wrong? Could you be wrong? Could you be hogtied like the Bible says is going to happen to most people in the last days? Could that be you? Fight it. Learn how to fight it. Learn how to beat it. Like I tell you guys, God doesn't send the shattered people in this church for us not to help them overcome. And we've seen some pretty awesome things. Amen? Amen. Incredible stuff. So God's teaching us how to do it. And there's a lot more where that came from. I'm interested to see where we're going. You got to tool up. You got to take the long route. God's telling you to show up on Saturday. 
and missed the football game? Who cares? Missed a stinking football game. No, got to go worship at the temple. Pinch my, you know, give my pinch of incense to the, to the uh, gods of football. No, who cares? Learn your theology. Learn your biblical studies. Learn how to pray. Learn about the greats of history. God calls you, hey, there's a homeless person. Go make friends with them. Learn how to obey. Learn how to take the long route. Learn how to fight. So, I think we're done. So, I want you guys to stand up. Stand up. Up on your feet. In case anybody's getting sleepy, I'm just going to say a prayer. I'll stand up too, maybe. I'm just going to say a prayer. And uh, I hope you guys will make it your prayer. So, Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We thank you for the example that we have in Jesus and every other awesome person that you ever used on planet Earth. They got to take the long route. They have to gain wisdom and understanding and strength so that they can be the warrior. They can be the one that goes into the darkness and pulls people out. And you put that in all of our hearts because we have the Holy Spirit. Teach us, Lord, to submit to the process, to buckle down, to do what's necessary, to obey, even when it's hard. We thank you for this community, Lord. Just fill us with your Holy Spirit. Continue to pour out your wisdom upon us. And teach us, Lord God, how to walk with you. And I pray, Lord, I pray that people would go forth from here and go off like atomic blasts in the spiritual realm, bringing goodness and grace in this dark world. So we love you. Fill us with your spirit. We pray all this in the awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for coming. And I hope you guys will all stick around and get to know each other over lunch. <laughs>